I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. I am so, so sorry because it is my fault because it was my project. Three missing Montgomery College students continues in Frederick County tonight. Ten days and thousands of man hours have been unable to produce any clues. We have a few leads, a um, few other options we want to take advantage of and just try to put together some, uh, some pieces to this puzzle. Do you believe the occult may be involved in the disappearance of your son? I'm so scared. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Talk, a movie podcast. We are your go-to source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films. I am your host, Wes Jones, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, this is Tommy, podcasting straight from Nashville, Tennessee. The Movie Buddy Conway, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. 1999 is one of the greatest years in cinema history. Don't believe me? Go back and look at the releases from 1999. It was an extraordinary year. And I would argue no year, no single year since has been better. It was just a different time in Hollywood, a a better time in my opinion. Hollywood took risks then, greenlighting incredible original stories, unearthing a new generation of writers, directors, and acting talent. And right in the middle of this amazing year, And all of these excellent original big studio films was a little horror film produced on a micro budget, basically no violence with unknown actors from indie filmmakers. It revolutionized the film industry, created the found footage boom, and continued paving the way for indie filmmakers of all genres to succeed. That'd be impressive in any year, but even more impressive in a loaded 1999. That summer, a 16-year-old me had been eagerly awaiting the release of The Blair Witch Project, a film I'll remind you that many moviegoers at that time were still trying to figure out, is this thing real? And this aura around the movie was built on its genius marketing campaign, literally being one of the first films to utilize the internet, and also by creating the excellent sci-fi mockumentary Curse of the Blair Witch. I didn't leave disappointed that night as Blair Witch Project scared me to death. I like to say that Halloween started my love of horror and the Blair Witch Project solidified it. So hopefully I've set the stage for our guest tonight. Real Talk is very proud to welcome one of the duo behind the film, director Mr. Eduardo Sanchez. Ed, how's things going tonight? Thank you so much for being here. Things are good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And thank you for scaring the crap out of me with your movie. That was uh, that was uh, traumatizing for a 16-year-old after after seeing it for the first time. Yeah, man. I would imagine. I mean, you know, it, you know, it, it traumatized me, and I was one of the filmmakers. So I, you know, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, so yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I I know I traumatize a lot of people, man. So I appreciate you still being a fan after that. You know. <laughs> 
Well, I want to take just a quick second and shout out writer, director Kevin Kangas for helping coordinate the interview. And Ed, Kevin said, we better be asking you some interesting questions or that you get after him for it. Yeah, 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 absolutely, man. I, I told him he's on the hook for this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been starting out a lot of our interviews lately with this question. And you being a filmmaker makes the answer all the more interesting to me. But what are some of your all-time favorite films? Like, what are the films that you admire and directors that you look up to? I mean, you know, when I was, like, in full, like, kind of filmmaker mode when I was young, like, you know, after high school, like, in in high school, I really discovered, like, the idea that I that maybe I could be a filmmaker or at least work in television, you know, at least make, you know, work in the news, local, you know, so it was the first time that, like, the filmmaking career had lined up to, like, an actual job, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, or at least the idea of a job, you know? And so I was really in that mode, and I started watching... You know, uh, Spike Lee was really big at that time. You know, Do the Right Thing is still one of my favorites. Um, you know, Robert Rodriguez, you know, was it was, uh, you know, it was right before El Mariachi, um, you know, Kevin Smith. Uh, but then, you know, like, obviously, when I was be- before that time, when I was kind of growing up, I loved Star Wars. I think Star Wars was really the reason that I got into filmmaking, you know, like just the idea that like, uh, you know, a movie could have that much power and like that much influence, you know. Um, it just, you know, it was blew everybody's minds, you know, and I think that I think most of the filmmakers that are my age, you know, in 40s and 50s are, you know, they, we we owe it to Star Wars. You know, we Star Wars was like kind of this awakening for us. Um, but I love Martin Scorsese. And of course, you know, Spielberg has made, you know, some of my favorite movies, you know, Ridley Scott. I love Ridley Scott. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and you know, uh, at least as horror films are concerned, as far as horror films, I love the, you know, The Shining. I love Kubrick in general. Uh, you know, the, things like Legend of Boggy Creek is one of my favorite movies of just like influence over me, like just feet, like how much fear it instilled in me as a kid. Um, but, you know, there's so many. I'm, I'm, I'm like a real big fan of, of film, you know, like like for me. Uh, you know, people. Yeah, you know, I. You know, we ended up in the horror genre because of Blair Witch, and I'm happy to be in the horror genre because I love horror movies and I've, I love making them and I love and I think I've gotten better. You know, as I've gone, you know, I've learned. There's a lot to learn when I first started, and there's still a lot to learn. But, um, but I never considered myself a horror filmmaker. So, um, I love films of all genres. Like Notting Hill is one of my favorite movies. Grease. Um, you know, I like a lot of the smaller films, like a lot of indie films, um, you know, it's just and documentaries like to me, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what genre it is, like as long as it tells a good story and it kind of engages me, uh, I'm willing to give it a shot, you know. Yeah, you're just a film lover. And I think just like all of us, like a lot of the stuff you were saying was connecting with you. T-Man's huge in the Spielberg. Gabe's huge in the Star Wars. The Shining is one of my all time favorite movies. So you're you're, you're hitting all the notes here. Sweet, man. <laughs> well, I think most people think of you as a, as a feature film director. But over the last few years, you've really done a lot in television. Supernatural, Queen of the South. Yeah. You recently directed an episode of American Horror Stories, which for those that don't know, that's a spinoff of American Horror Story, which, of course, was very popular. So how's the transition into TV been? And I'm, I'm curious if you can tell us about your experience on American Horror Stories. Um, you know, the transition was, you know, uh, I, I, like, I guess six or seven years ago, uh, Robert Rodriguez reached out to me and he's like, I'm starting this network 
and I want to, you know, have, you know, you know, uh, Latino directors and writers and actors, you know, I want to make it, you know, it's called El Rey and I want to make this thing, you know, and we're going to do this thing. We're going to do a reboot of Dust Till Dawn and I want you to direct, you know, one of the episodes. And I was like, dude, of course, you know, it's Robert Rodriguez, of course. And I, but I never thought it was, anything was going to come of it, honestly. And then I guess six months later or whatever, nine months, you know, they're like, hey, we need you to come on this, these dates and. And uh, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm directing television now. I had never really directed television at all. I mean, I'd done some commercials and stuff after Blair Witch, but I'd never made the leap into television. Um, and uh, so, you know, it was weird because Robert put me, for some reason, you know, they put me right on right after Robert. Like, Robert directed the first two episodes, and then I, I did the third one. And I, I literally, it's like the first time I've... I've actually gone onto like a, a real set, like a like a studio set, because all my films had been, you know, indie films, you know, and we'd always run our sets. So it was the first time that I had been kind of in this studio mode, but I loved it. You know, I thrived. I think uh, I had a lot of fun. I, you know, we did a good episode. Um, it was just great collaborating. The, the speed of it is kind of cool because, you know, I'm used to it because indie, you know, the indie film world, you're always moving fast. So um, the TV speed like didn't it never intimidate intimidated me, you know. Um, so, and then luckily after that I got you know he so Robert gave me kind of put my foot in the door and then I got a show called Intruders uh, on on uh, BBC um, uh, America and um, you know they uh, you know it went did eight we did eight eight episodes I did four of them and the, the, the series didn't get renewed but. You know, I did four of the episodes, the first four episodes, and it was just like this kind of like a training session of like how to grind out four episodes at the same time. I mean, it was such a great education, and I worked with a lot of great people. I met Millie Bobby Brown. You know, she turned 10 years old on my set. I mean, you know, uh, we're still friends. Her and, her, you know, me and her family are still friends. And, um you know, uh, you know, just got to work with like, you know, just great DPs and 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 just, you know, just I really enjoyed my time. And and ever since then, I've just been lucky to, you know, be getting, you know, I get, uh, you know, three or four jobs at least a year. Um, and, you know, I work a lot in, in Vancouver and, you know, I've worked in Dallas, you know, I get to travel, um, you know, the time away from home is kind of rough. But uh, it's fun, you know, and I like collaborating and also coming from an indie, you know, uh, background where like you literally spend at least three or four years with a film, you know, from like conception to like, you know, ed to mm -hmm. shooting, to editing, to distribution and all that stuff. Um, the idea of being done in three weeks is like really appealing. You know what I mean? Like you're in, you, you make your mark and then you get out. Um, I just love it and I collaborate really well. And um, the latest thing I did was, like you said, American Horror Stories. And it was definitely tense. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you, I, you know, Ryan Murphy is, you know, he's like this legendary uh, television producer and film too, but most, you know, he's very successful as a, as a TV producer. And, uh, you know, he, you know, he, they asked me to come on board. So there's this level of kind of stress of like, ah, you know, you don't want to disappoint this team. Um, but, you know, it was a great, uh, a, a great script. Uh, this uh, guy, Manny Cotto wrote it, who I, I, I've worked with before. Um, and uh, the, you know, the, the, the crew was, you know, very welcoming and, you know, we kind of got through it. There was a couple, you know, some tough days, but we all got through it together and very much a family attitude. And uh, I'm, 
you know, the, my episode came out pretty good They're They've invited me back for season two. So awesome. you know, uh, yeah. something went right. So, you know, luckily, <laughs> uh, I didn't screw it up too badly. Um, but it's great, man. I mean, you know, it's, uh, obviously the, that, you know, Ryan Murphy is somebody that, you know, you, you can get a lot of work out of Ryan Murphy. And I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good to be at least, you know, at least again, get my foot in the door of that family. But, um, you know, I, I, I love doing television and also like now, you know, I'm trying to do a feature. Like I'm really kind of, um, pushing to try to get a feature. I got three or four features in development, like in serious development in various stages of develop, development. Um, and, you know, I, I think soon I was trying to, I was hoping this fall we would do one, but it didn't happen. But I, hopefully next year I'll get to do my, the, you know, my first feature in a while. Um, and then just kind of like to, to kind of, you know, work in, in the feature world again and kind of, you know, uh, you know, work with some of the stuff that I've that I've learned, you know, in the TV world, you know, what I'm saying so I'm looking really looking forward to that. Yeah, you actually answered one of my my follow up questions, because I was curious. It's been since 2014, I believe, since you you last put out a feature film. And I was going to ask you, are you done with that? Are you looking to go back? So are you you looking? Do you have some original stories that you're that you're yeah, wanting to I produce? Mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the, um, I, I have some original stories. I'm kind of like, you know, I don't really consider myself a writer, so I always have to bring somebody in to, you know, to help me to do a lot of that, you know, heavy lifting. But I've kind of gotten to the, you know, point now where I, I, I'm trying to convince myself to write a script by myself, like mostly by myself. Like, and the last time I did that was Lovely Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was, movie. Lovely Molly was a real painful process for me. And I was, a, you know, different person, really a different filmmaker, I think, back then. But, um, but I'm, you know, I, I, I really am pushing myself to kind of do something original that I, that I'm, you know, that I kind of control more closely. But, yeah, I have, uh, you know, people are always sending me scripts, whether it's my agents or writers that I like, um, you know, producers send me stuff. And, you know, there's a there's a few good, uh, few really good projects and, uh, you know, a few others that I'm still working on to try to get, you know, uh, into shape, you know. But, uh, you know, we're always trying to go out with stuff, trying to show people. We're always, you know, uh, pushing scripts around. So it's not for lack of trying. It's just that, you know, it's hard when you've uh, when you've got a television, you know, kind of television career. It's hard to kind of think that you could take six months off. You know, it's just hard when, you know, the the job offers are coming. It's hard to say no and say, you know, no, I'm going to, you know, take six months off to do a feature, you know. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, like I said, I'm 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 definitely looking for one, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of stuff is 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 percolating. I think, some, like I said, maybe next year, uh, but it just hasn't worked out, you know, in the last few years, unfortunately. I sincerely love your filmography, so I'm, I'm looking looking forward to that. Your filmography, it's it's very Thanks. unique in, in different films. Obviously, Blair Witch and Altered, you just mentioned, Lovely Molly. I really liked your segment in VHS, too, Ride in the Park. That was really cool. Oh, thanks, man. But I wanted, because I don't see a lot of information out there, so I thought, well, while I've got you a second, let me. I'd like to at least ask a question on your 2014 film, Exists. Yeah, I, I think that I think it was unfairly mangled by critics. Like I personally really enjoy that movie, and I'm going to recommend it to our audience right now. Check out Exist. Um, it has an excellent tension-filled scene where the dude is riding his bike and he's trying to get out to get some cell service. I love that scene. It's just it's so well done. And uh, one of our podcasting friends, Greg Morgan, he's from the Excellent Land of the Creeps podcast. 
he he threw a question and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll ask Ed when we get him on there. Sure. He said, why did you settle on a Bigfoot film? Are you like personally a Bigfoot fan? And if so, do you have any experiences, you know, during your researching or tracking the legend? I mean, I love Bigfoot. Like, you know, <laughs> um, like to me, without like the Legend of Boggy Creek and without like the Patterson Gimlin film, there wouldn't have been a Blair Witch because I think Dan and I, you know, Dan Myrick and I both, you know, as soon as we started talking about this kind of the Blair Witch kind of movie, those things came up, you know, that like the Patterson Gimlin film is still one of the scariest things, whether you believe it's real or not, or, you know, if you just suspend your your disbelief a little bit, it's still one of the creepiest pieces of footage and really the first kind of found footage, you know, one of the first early things of, of real found footage, you know, um, but um you know, Bigfoot to me is like my creature, like, you know, I'm six foot seven. So I have like this kind of <laughs> affinity for like, you know, big, <laughs> lunky kind of, you know, cre hairy creatures. Um, and and I've, you know, been fascinated by it because Bigfoot is the only creature like, you know, Jaws scared the crap out of me. But, you know, it's like, well, as long as I stay out of the ocean, Jaws is not going to get me. But to me as a kid, you know, there's woods everywhere. I mean, there was like this little tract of woods behind my apartment complex and to, for me, I was like, I'm going to see Bigfoot in here any minute now. Any <laughs> any day I'm going to, you know, it's going to walk by my window and I'm going to see it. So there was like this kind of, um, you know, uh, you know, closeness, you know, to it, uh, to Bigfoot that really scared me. And thus, I, I loved to learn anything about it, everything about it. And UFOs, too. But it was like UFOs is more of like, you know, you know, it's more science fiction. But still, that UFOs, ghosts and Bigfoot are like my three kind of big scary things you know so, so hold on hold on you feel like ufos are more science fiction than bigfoot no no i mean like <laughs> as a kid you know the idea of like being abducted by aliens was a little less there's a there's a lot less chance of that than <laughs> bigfoot thing I see <laughs> because it. i spent a lot of time at the, in the creek and the woods and so right. for me i was like dude Bigfoot's going to grab me at any time, you know? <laughs> um, but again, it, you know, UFOs was a, a, a little bit below Bigfoot as far as like yeah. urgency. And then, you know, quicksand, of course, which as a kid, like was like, you know, yeah. this, you, you know, you feared quicksand and, you know, that was, uh, I talked about that. That was everywhere in movies. And I thought it was going to be a bigger obstacle as an adult. I, I thought, like, yeah, I've, I've heard, I heard like a comedian or somebody talk about it years ago. And they made that exact point, like quicksand. I thought the quicksand was going to be like, you know, like you said, like, like a more difficult thing to uh, <laughs> in my life. You I know? think I heard that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like every Tarzan film, somebody got, stuck in the quicksand it was like there's the quicksand scene you know <laughs> they uh, even threw quicksand in star wars like yeah they, exactly yeah, yeah exactly man you can't you know it's it's just such a great tool of like oh you know they <laughs> land on this thing and then it sucks them in you know like it's it, and it's horrific i mean imagine dying in quicksand i mean that's that's pretty yeah. horrific so i love bigfoot and i always thought that like there was never, I mean, there were some good Bigfoot movies, but Bigfoot never looked good in movies. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I thought right. that Absolutely. there were some fun Bigfoot movies, but when it comes down to it, there hadn't been, like, this, you know, like, this attention to detail. And then when I, when I saw, like, um, remember Greystoke, uh, the uh, the Tarzan movie, like, in back in the day, like, like late 70s, early 80s, Greystoke, like Legend of the Tarzan of the Apes. Anyway, Stan Winston did the the uh, apes, and just the way they lit them and the way they shot them, they looked like 
like real apes, you know what I'm saying? And I use that, you know, that was my kind of example. It's like, okay, if you get a Stan Winston style, you know, caliber, you know, effects house, you could do a really, you know, cool Bigfoot. So, you know, I, I did Blair Witch and I, I immediately, like the first thing that I kind of had planned after Blair Witch was a comedy. But then after that, um, I, I want to do a Bigfoot movie, like immediately, like we started coming up with Bigfoot ideas. So I've written like, you know, three Bigfoot scripts and, um, you know, probably like half a dozen treatments for other Bigfoot stuff. Um, and it just got to the point where I met the right producers and we met the right people, you know, investors, and we were able to get Spectral Motion to do the suit. And, uh, you know, they did this great suit. Brian Steele was the creature. And I finally got my chance to, like, shoot, you know, a realistic looking you know, Creech Bigfoot mm -hmm, film. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that, that was kind of the, the, you know, what I wanted to do. And I, I thought I, you know, we, we pulled it off really nicely. Here's what I think happened. Obviously Blair, Witch comes out, it's just, it's just big beyond belief. And then you wind up doing some regular feature films and then you're coming back and you're doing found footage, which, you know, whether you and Daniel meant to, you really created the found footage genre that we know today. And yeah. so I think people had all these this anticipation that this movie was going to be the, another game changer and all that. And when yeah. it was just like a standard, really good creature feature, I think they were just like, oh, well, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So I'm going to I'm going to yeah. write it off. Are you were you satisfied with the way that it would it turned out? Was there something that you wish you would have done different or? I mean, I I mean, you know, the, the, you know, you always go back in your films and you're like, oh, you know, we under, you know, we didn't develop this properly and this whatever. Um, but no, man, I mean, you know, for me, it was like, um, I mean, you know, the only thing that I wish would have happened with exists is that they, it would have been, you know, um, that it would have been successful enough to, to warrant a sequel, you know, cause I want, I really, I had like the sequel, like the bigger budget sequel, like the kind of alien compared to aliens sequel, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have, I have that already and I have even like a bigger version, you know, so that's the biggest disappointment work because i you know honestly i could live in the bigfoot world for a while you know like i know james cameron has avatar and i have you know bigfoot uh, <laughs> but i would love to do three, you know two or three more bigfoot movies for sure um but um that was my biggest disappointment and obviously you know when people you know when the critics are mean to it or whatever you know you know if you want every you know you want everybody to love your film but you know all, each of my films has like enough of a fan base that like i that i you know that that gets the movies you know what i'm saying uh not everybody's gonna get my movies you know and um but you know there is like there are little pockets of fans for each of the movies and i really appreciate that and and uh, so you know it, for me it was like it was disappointing that we weren't able to continue the kind of the you know do more bigfoot movies but i was pretty happy with how it turned out well, I've seen it. I've seen it twice. And again, fans, I, I, I'd love for more people to check it out. It's streaming a lot of different places right now. So I, I thought Thanks, it was pretty man. cool. Anyway, sorry you can't see me, uh, but you can hear me. So that's, It's that's all right. Close. Yeah, I can hear you, man. All's good. Good, good. good. Um, I'm too ugly to be put on camera. That's what they tell me. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. They call me the quasi-motto of the real talk. That's why we're a podcast and not a TV show. But anyway, I digress. Um <laughs> Uh, I just have a couple of quick questions. So the first thing I wanted to ask you, Ed, real quick was, so I love your stories about working in television, and I find that so, so interesting. Of course, a lot of filmmakers have kind of transitioned to television, 
but can you paint a little picture? I've always wondered what's like the time frame it takes that you as a director that comes on a show, how long does it take to do an episode? Like how long are you involved with it? Of course, when you're, uh, you know, directing a feature film, like you said, it could take years. Yeah. But like say, like when Robert Rodriguez contacted you and wanted you to direct an episode, like what does that kind of entail for you to be on that episode? The the last thing I did, the American Horror Stories had a lot of pre-production because, um, the, you know, they were like, it's an anthology show. So every week is like a new cast, new sets, like there's nothing to fall back on. So I started that show like probably two weeks before I started most, I start most shows, um, you know, and, and as a part-time basis, like already doing meetings and making decisions because they had to have, you know, at least three or four weeks of, of, of lead time. But usually you get to, you have three weeks. So you basically have, you know, seven, you know, seven or eight days of prep. Uh, you know, so you start like on a Monday and you have five days that week. You have the weekend off and then you have two or three more days of prep and then you start shooting on a Thursday, you know, uh, as far as like eight prep days. And then in those prep days, you know, you usually you get the script. I get the script like maybe a couple of days before I leave, before I, you know, before I leave for location, because I'm always shooting somewhere. You know, I never shoot it at my house, at my home, unfortunately. So I travel, you know, I uh, at that point, I've read the script a couple of times. Then I get to the, you know, to the studio and it's just a bunch of meetings, um, you know, mostly location scouting like they've uh, in television. They've already kind of chosen at least giving you like some um, some choices to look at, like they've already gone ahead of time and like looked at some and, you know, gotten a couple of choices. So location scouting is always great because, you know, you, they, you know, they, uh, you know, they just, the, 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 the crew does a really great job of like finding good locations usually, you know, so 95% of the time, whatever they choose, I'm cool with. Um, and then you just start doing meetings. You start doing, you know, tone meetings and, you know, uh, meeting with, um, you know, the art department, special effects, costumes, like, um, you know, every department, you know, gets a little time. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then during that time, um, you know, doing my shot sheet, trying to get ready, the, the AD is, is doing the, the schedule. And then usually you get, you know, you start and you get seven, you know, eight days, um, sometimes nine days. Um, uh, but usually seven is what you do. So you basically shoot for seven days and it's 12 hour days. Usually, um, a COVID was a little weird cause we, um, we limited the hours, at least on Queen of the South, we limited the hours to 10 hours. So it was actually a great shooting schedule because you actually had a normal life, you know, <laughs> um, 10 hours is it seems like a lot, but it's really short for film crews, you know, for TV crews. So um, and, you know, you do seven or eight days of that and then you go, you know, you leave, you're done. Hopefully you make, you know, you you make you you shoot everything that you needed to shoot, you know. That always helps. And then uh, <laughs> three or four days after I get home, I get uh, an editor's cut. And then um, I usually have three or four days to like, you know, to give all my notes. Um, and then you, you turn it over to the producers and then that's the end of it. The, the producers take over and they, you know, they cut it down. You usually try to, you know, like uh, most shows are, you know, 42 minutes or so. So you try to land a little bit around, you know, three or four minutes over 42 minutes. It depends on the show. Um, some shows they want you to be really over. Some shows they want you to be a little closer. Um, so, you know, you just do your best. Try to edit the 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 uh, the best episode you can do. And um, 
and then hand it over to them. And then the next time you hear from them, you know, or, or whatever you is when the, the show airs, you know, um, a few times I've had to go back and reshoot some stuff uh, or, or we, we've missed some stuff because the something happened in the schedule where we couldn't get to a location or something. So, so a few times I had to go back and re and shoot some stuff, some scenes that I missed, but mostly I finished and I'm done. And, it, you know, so basically it's like three weeks, four weeks, if you count editing and, you know, the, the money's good and, you know, the, 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 it gets you into the DGA, which is a great union. And, you know, so I'm again. I'm really happy. You know, really blessed to be. You know, to have this. You know, television career, and uh, and I hope it. You know, it continues. And yeah. the, the big thing for us right now is trying to. It, we're we're trying to get our own show going, and we've got. You know, we've got oh, wow. some momentum. Um, uh, we got. We're pitching a bunch of stuff, and uh, you know, it it, it it's going to happen soon. We had a deal with Apple, and now we're shopping the show to you know the to other other networks. Um, constantly doing that, so that would be our my big goal is to with my partner Greg Hale and I would to be to uh, to have our own tel television show. That's amazing, yeah. And please, you know, come on, real talk, and announce it on here. We could be your, <laughs> you know, we could be your that, Believe me, man. If anything happens, I'll I'll give you guys a ring. Can you awesome, can, you, yeah, can no. you give us any insight as to what this show could be about? Well, the show that 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 we're doing right now um, that we had at Apple. Well, is um, I mean, I can't tell you much about it, but it's uh, it, it's it's horror and it has um, uh, mostly mostly Cuban cast, you know, cast of characters. Um, and it's um, it's about Santeria, um, which is, you know, the Cuban voodoo. Mm -hmm. And uh, so and that's pretty much all I can tell you. But it's you know, I'm all, we're always doing horror stuff. Um, we rarely do, uh, you know, pitch anything else. Sometimes, I mean, unless the idea is really good, um, we always stick to the horror genre. And we've done well. You know, we had a, star, uh, a show at Stars that didn't go, but you know, we we uh, we almost went to series on it, and we've had a couple nibbles here and there. And again, we we work with Apple on developing this show, so we just feel like it's a matter of time, um, you know. And uh, you know, but that would be great to. And it, the, the show would take place in Miami, so it'd be cool to go down and mm -hmm. shoot in Miami. Sure. Uh, so you know, it'd be cool. And we're when we're working, yeah. I can tell you, we're working with Alejandro Bruges, the Cuban a Cuban filmmaker, friend of ours. Um, and you know, it's uh, we're hoping to get something going soon. Well played. I think good. I think if I became a filmmaker, like all my films would be like in Key Largo and places like that, just so I could, you know, <laughs> extra beach time, extra beach time. Florida. I've, been try, I've been trying to get a I've been trying to get a show on ho in Hawaii for. <laughs> <laughs> a few shows they shoot in Hawaii, and I'm like, whatever it takes, get me, uh, get me a couple of episodes of uh, Magnum PI or Hawaii Five O, whatever, man. I'll, let me, let me get over there. You know, Ed Sanchez was stalk stalking the Lost directors. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lost shot in Hawaii. And real quick, no, yeah, good luck on that yeah, show. Man. Oh my God. I really hope that works out for you. It sounds really cool. Love the plot. And the other thing I was going to ask you real quick before we move on to the Blair Witch was well, first, I saw that you did an episode of The Passage, which I read the book, loved the book. So that was awesome. I watched that show. So I'm going to have to figure out which one you watched because I like that show, actually. Question I have is Is it weird? You kind of already answered this, but I've always felt, I've always wondered, like for directors that come on a TV show, because you all aren't really necessarily part of the show full time. Is it hard or weird or awkward to just kind of show up and be kind of the boss for that episode? Has, has that yeah. experience ever just been hard? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I mean, that's 
I think that like, look, I mean, I think I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm a good director, you know, like I think I know how to direct, you know, most stuff, you know, um, I don't think I'm like, you know, a genius or anything, but I can direct, you know, and really so, so, and there's, you know, so many people that can direct, but I think the the whole thing with television is that you do, that is a weird thing that you have to do is that you have to go in and you're kind of the boss, but you're also have you have bosses above you that are you know, like, you know, you have to respect the writers, you have to respect the showrunners, like you can't go in there and just do whatever you want. You have to look, you know, I, I always go back if, I, if I'm not a, you know, if I haven't seen the show before, I always go back and watch as many episodes as possible just to try to get the tone and, you know, try to get what the, the pat, you know, the rhythm of the show. And then you go in, you know, and you, you, you know, you try to emulate that, you know, you try to stay close, you know, do cool stuff and do if they want you to do unique, like some shows want you to push the envelope, some don't. So if you figure that out, but it's mostly a social thing, man. It's most, mostly like a management thing of like going in and not pissing anybody off and <laughs> being and being cool and doing your job. I think doing your job is a big thing. Like just be prepared and like if you don't have an answer for it, then, you know, tell them, say that you don't have an answer and, 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 and be, become part of the process of finding that answer, you know, Um and uh, but you know just do your homework like i every day i go to a set i have a shot sheet so i, I you know and i don't i don't always follow it because i'm usually just directing off the top of my head but at least everybody knows the basics of what it's going to take to finish that day you know to get those scenes in the can um and sometimes you know the dp will come up with something and i'm like oh that's so much better than what i have let's go with it you know sometimes an actor will come up with like blocking that is oh yeah that's exactly what i what i needed let's do it you know they you never know where the good idea is going to come from so you have to be open and you have to be like again you have to be a boss but you have to be cool because you know you're only going to be there for a few weeks mm -hmm. um but i i you know i've never had the an issue with anybody you know with any i mean you know there's always like you know, little, you know, there's always some bad apples here and there, but I've never had any issues with anybody. I usually kind of, uh, the crew usually loves me and I usually love the crew. And, uh, you know, and then, then the thing about, you know, television and film is that, especially television though, is that these people work so hard, man. Like, you know, like I go there and I work for three weeks and by the last day of the shoot, I am like so ready to go. Like I'm like, my bags are packed and I'm like, I'm, I'm in a plane in three hours after we wrap or whatever. Right. So these people have to go next day and start yeah. another episode. You know yeah. I mean? They're and like, it, it already got out of here. So, so they're, they're like heroes to me, man. I mean, really? So I respect them a lot and you know, I, they give me a lot of respect. They give me a lot of love and they, they, they've always, I always, they always, you know, I, I always find a way for people to, to to give me good work. You know what I mean? To give to for all of us to 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 make good work together. You know what I'm saying? And I always try to help people out, and I I never yell at anybody. I, you know, it's like you got to be cool, man. That's that's mm, everybody exactly. asks me. You know, like what's the key to just directing in general? And like one of the big or, or making it in the film business. And I said one of the big things is just be cool. <laughs> be cool, cool and treat, you, treat other people like the way you want to be treated don't act like you're all big high and mighty because there's always somebody higher than you you know and mightier so just keep yourself in check and be cool and you know you'll you'll do well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna try to be cool i'm gonna work yeah on man that. you gotta be cool man Stop yeah. all right i'll work on it I, I got to need to give us because none of us are very cool so yeah. but uh now, I'll ask my two quick film questions, and I think it's a good transition question, Wes, and then you can get into it. A um, couple things that you said. Thing number one, 
you mentioned alien and aliens, and this is a running thing that we have to know. Is it alien <laughs> or aliens? Like, what's your preference? Man, that's yeah, a that's tough the same one. question to Kevin. So we that's have a to tough ask one. I mean, definitely, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's two different things, man. <laughs> they're both really unique, you know. Um, like James Cameron's film is definitely more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're in the, you know, if you want to do a have a fun ride, but a, you know, the first one is just so like it's just a different kind of film, different era. Almost, it almost seems like it's a, like it, like the they were like forty years apart from each other. You know, what I'm saying not like what are they were they five years apart from each other or something yeah, like that. Seventy nine, eighty six, right? So yeah, seven or seven yeah. years. I mean, yeah. um, you know, it's just two different filmmakers kind of taking it in different directions, but still like really, you know, having like this, you know, obviously Ripley being kind of the central, you know, foundation, you know, the kind of the spine of the of the series, you know, um, I'd have to say aliens, man. Oh, man, we've got an by, alien fan. By, by a hair. I rewatched it. I, I think I'm pretty tired. I would have given a political answer just like you. I would have like talked my way like kind of out of even answering it. I think if I had I was asked again, um, and I love that you talked about like Star Wars changing the film industry because like recently I had to do an episode and I wanted to do my Star Wars episode and I I tried to make an uh, one just about you know Star Wars four and I couldn't. I was like I had to talk about like all the things that it did for film and. Like it was the most nervous I've ever been on a podcast. So I like that you changed that you said that that was the little film that changed the world, and you got all that cool paraphernalia behind you. Exactly. I gotta tell, I gotta tell you real quick before we get into Blair Witch my story, and then it proceeds with my first and main Blair Witch uh, question. So my story is: I watched Blair Witch Project. My girlfriend at the time, you know, her you parents had a in the movies or at home. Uh, it, I think I watched it at home. I think I actually watched it at home. I think I was it was a year after the movies. Yeah, I was probably 17. I watched it. No, I was 18. I watched it at home. That night, I was supposed to go to my girlfriend's house, and she had this guest house behind her house, and her parents didn't know we were dating at the time, and I had to walk through the woods to this guest house, and I heard, like, some creaking. It was night, and it petrified me. I did one of those things, you know, that you don't ever admit as a man that you do, like when you're, like, scared and nobody's around and you run in the woods. Like, and nobody talks about it because it's just something that you do. And I ran like as fast as I could. I've I've done it many a times. (laughs) Did anything (laughs) like that happen on the set of Blair Witch Project? Like, because you guys were shooting at night. Did anything? Yeah. The the only time that happened to me where I had to was um, during um, during pre-production. We were at we were out, out at the house. Uh, at the you know the house at the end the Rustin Parr house and we were just kind of you know out there I don't know if I was showing some people something or whatever we were it was like probably a few weeks before we started shooting I, the actors definitely were not there yet and I was doing something in the base in the cellar you know like right where the, the yeah you know, the finale of the movie happens and I realized that I'm alone it's night now <laughs> it's like the, the sun was going down when we got there and it was now night and yeah, I've been hearing like people walking and I'm, I'm like doing something. And I realize I haven't heard anybody else <laughs> in the house. Like, again, you have that feeling like somebody's behind you. Yeah. So I just hightailed it. And the, the way th- into that house was like up through the, you know, there was like a way through and I just went the other way and I just made my way up this hill and like, I could have like fallen. I just <laughs> wanted to get the hell out of there. And, uh, and I see all everybody with their flashlights, like, you know, a hundred yards. I'm like, 
And like I, like I, like you said, I ran, you know, and then once I got close to them, I kind of slowed down and tried to be cool, you know, uh, you know, and then another time with Blair Witch, man, I was editing that scene at the end, like in the house, I was doing like the, uh, the, you know, video to the CP 16, the black and white, and, you know, just trying to get into that scene. And it was like two in the morning and Dan and I, you know, would, we edited the, the movie together, but he would do it during the day. And uh, I would basically take over the night shift. I didn't have a girlfriend, so I had like no response, you know, no responsibility. So um, I would work the night shift and like two in the morning, man, I'm editing this movie and I'm just, you know, whatever. And I'm in my own, you know, I'm watching, I'm editing this movie, whatever. And all of a sudden I start like actually watching the scene again. Like I just felt like something, somebody is in that. And we had this little creepy office in downtown Orlando like this old house and it was you know like it just smelled of mildew and it was just like something you know you know some crazy shit happened there you know and I <laughs> I turned off the computer and like again fast walked down the hall opened the door locked it and ran to my a car uh, again, man, with that feeling of like something is about some something's about to grab me from behind. <laughs> And like it's, a, it's a horrible feeling, man. And it happened twice to me uh, during Blair Witch. I like that you, I really do like that you, um, you admitted, you talked about the part that I like the most, the slow walk after the fast walk. Like that's the most critical part. You don't want to see, you know, people seeing you run. You want to, you want to like slow walk into it. Like you weren't scared out of the situation. Oh yeah, man. That's, that segue is key. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is critical. <laughs> and you're talking critical, about. man. <laughs> but here's the thing, Gabe. Now we always know when we're in the woods that you just did that. You just ran up to us. Yeah, you you've told a whole bunch of people just now. So yeah, uh, I've got to work on blown that. your you cover know, secret, man. There's like all my stuff I'm airing out on. I always air out on this podcast. I'm I'm working on it. Are you like Are you sick of talking about the Blair Witch? Is there an accomplishment that like that you're proud of? Like you know, when you were 14 at Mr. Gaddy's, you ate 14 pieces of pizza or something like that that you want to. You know, no, tell people. No, no. I mean, no. I mean, I mean, uh, I just, you know, I mean, no, man. I, I, uh, like I said before, like, I love talking about Blair Witch. I mean, you know, as long as like to me, the only time that I don't like talking about Blair Witch is when somebody's bullshitting me that they love it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, and that that rarely happens now. But like back in the day when I was, we were doing like you know ten interviews an hour, like just freaking. There were some people we were like, you know, you never even. Some people, had, I, I didn't think they saw the movie, and they were like asking us questions about it. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, to 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 like fans of the movie, I I'll talk all day, man. I could talk, you know, for ten hours if 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 they wanted me to. So, uh, no, man. I mean, uh, you know, the only other accomplishment I'm proud of is, you know, my kids, you know, and the fact that I I'm able to afford a house over their heads, you know, like. You know, like I, I never thought that I would be like this responsible as an adult and have yeah. money and be able to pay bills and stuff like. So I'm always amazed by that. I'm like, oh, my God, another another day where I, you know, another month I paid the, mo the mortgage. It's amazing. Um, but no, man, I mean, you know, again, Blair Witch was just something that, uh, you know, I, I, like I said before, very feel very blessed to have been a part of it. You know, I'll uh, I'll, I'll do one last shameless plug. When I was watching it, this is the other thing that men do. Like, I was really proud of myself. I was telling my friend, I was like, look, I'm not even scared of Blair Witch. And then the last scene happened. 
And so like, I was like, this movie isn't scary. You know, like when you do that, trying to act tough, like this movie isn't scary. And then the last scene happens and you're just like, yep, I'm afraid. (laughs) And that's what's so brilliant about it. But the whole time you act like a tough guy through it. And then something like that. Yeah. Well, you got to, you gotta, you gotta act tough, man. (laughs) Well, what I was curious about is take us back to like before the pre-production, before the casting, before I'm, I'm sorry, not the pre-production, before the production, before the casting, everything. My understanding was your your concept, your idea, like wh- where did the idea come from and what were like some of the first steps you took to to get the movie some legs, like the idea some legs? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the idea was like it was Dan and me, you know, Dan Myrick and me talking about horror films and there was a certain weekend that you know we we were film students so we were very poor you know you we were spending a ton of money on our films you know that's what what back when you had to like we were actually in film school where like you had to you know buy film and process it like it cost money to make you know to just roll the camera um so we were always out of money and we had you know uh barely have any money to screw so we would just hang out and you know watch movies on the weekend and just play football or, you know, just, you know, we kind of just hang out, you know, it's the only thing we had to do. And uh, when we weren't shooting or, or, or doing homework or whatever, and Dan and I were just hanging out and we, we had just seen, um, the, uh, Freddie movie, uh, the nightmare on Elm street movie called Freddie's dead. And we were like, man, you know, it was a fun movie, but not scary at all. You know what I mean? Like that's not even a horror movie. Like what, you know, so we started talking about the movies that scared us and we, you know, again, like I said, we talked about, you know, the Patterson-Gimlin film and uh, Legend of Boggy Creek and The Shining and The Exorcist and Jaws and Amityville Horror, you know, all those kind of classic, the changeling, like all those, you know, er, late 70s or 70s and 80s films. Um, And we were, and so we were like, you know, and we love the idea of like that kind of the fake documentary, like the that show In Search Of on, on television with Leonard Nimoy, which was like the best show ever. It was, and it's still creepy as hell, man, at least to me, like Leonard Nimoy's voice with that music and just the look of the footage. So we were like, I wonder if you could do something like that. And, and, and so we went out and rented a bunch of these movies. Like we rented some in search of episodes and we rented at Legend of Boggy Creek and we got back and we were like, all right, you know, they're definitely dated, but they still really effective, you know, like they really creeped us out, you know? So we were like, I wonder if there's a way to do that, you know, and, you know, in, you know, that was the early nineties. I was like 91. So I mean, I wonder if there's, if there's a way to do that. And, uh, so we started talking about like, you know, a continuous shot, like something it had to be a film crew because, you know, that's, you know, uh, like a documentary crew. What if a documentary crew got lost, you know, while doing research for like a, like the in search of documentary crew got lost doing a, a, a story about, you know, a local legend, a ghost or something. And, uh, you know, and then eventually it became a witch, you know, we were thinking like, okay, what could be in the woods, you know, that has a little bit of history, like the idea of like, you know, the, the, the Salem, you know, witch trials and the idea that like people actually thought that there was witches back in the day, you know what I mean? Not, not, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, maybe, or maybe less, not that long ago, people thought in this area that there were, that some women were witches, you know? So we were like, imagine if there's some kind of legend of some woman that lives in the woods and, appears to certain people and whatever. So we just kind of started coming up and then, and then this documentary team goes into the woods and they never come out, you know, and early on it was very much like 
just shots like we like or scenes like we came up with a scene very early on of like they have to find a house in the movie like a dilapidated house and we were thinking like there was going to be like you know satanic graffiti and like you know sacrifices on the ground you know so that's that was the early thing like imagine they come into a room into a, this house that in the middle of the woods and there's like a pentagram on the floor and like some candles in a circle like you know stuff that you don't mm -hmm. you don't want to see when you're lost in the woods you know <laughs> um and and then and the idea the initial idea was like the continuous take like you know the idea of like moving through a house and then you see a, a see you see a door at the end of the hall and you, the audience gets this idea that, oh, my God, we're going to go into that down that creepy hall. We're going to go in that door and opening the door and there's, you know, the light and there's stairs and you're slowly going down. So all that like dread of like our whole thing was like it would be cool to like not give the audience any escape. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you're watching this footage and you can't, you know, there's not even any cuts, you know, like that. That was our early you know idea. So at that point, you know, it, it, that was kind of as far as we went, you know, the idea of like the lost footage and then the footage maybe being found years. And we were thinking years later, like because we wanted to shoot an actual film and wanted to shoot it like we wanted it to take place in the 70s. And then they find it, the footage in the 90s, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, so, and, you know, and it kind of stayed that way for a long time until we started actually thinking about production. So speaking of production, could you. Could you tell whenever you were watching some of the daily footage that that Heather and Josh and Mike were were shooting? Could you tell that it it was working as a film? Like I'm sure the first time you watch Heather's snotty monologue, you were like, "Man, this is this is some great stuff right here." But do you remember your thoughts as you were scanning through the daily footage? Because my understanding was you'd kind of go in and look a little bit about what what they had shot. Yeah, we I mean, yeah, we were just trying to watch as as much as possible. Like we would get, you know, they were shooting a lot and we weren't, you know, we weren't able to see any of the film footage because, you know, it was, you know, not we we didn't have enough money to develop it while we were shooting it, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, um we never saw any of the film footage till later, but the video okay. you know, we could just pop it into the, you know, to the high 8 camcorder and um watch it. So, we would get their tapes from the day and we would just sit down and try to watch as much as possible. But we were never able to watch, you know, more than an hour, maybe two, probably less than that. I mean, I, I, I don't, I remember early on watching the footage and then the schedule just started eating us up, you know, eating, eating us alive. Um, but you know, we were like, you know, we, Dan and I and, and Greg and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, the rest of the, the, the team, we always thought that like, you know, we were either making something really cool or making something completely stupid. Like we knew that there was no in middle ground. <laughs> yeah. like, we were like, you know, I remember one time walking back and where I'm like, you know, like walking back at like three in the morning from one of the, uh, you know, from scaring them and then, you know, putting, well, I don't know which night it was, but it was some night where, cause every night we had to be out there to, to do things to them and then leave them like supplies and all that stuff. Um, and walking back, I'm like, you know, this is either going to be like, the like the stupidest comedy of like the idea of like that people you know that, that that we thought we could pull this off or it's going to be like this crazy groundbreaking movie you know obviously you know i was, I was kind of talking crap you know mm -hmm. but we but we knew we were doing something special i mean no none of us had made a movie like that none of us had ever heard of anybody making a movie like that so the whole process was like so innovative and we had to like come up with new ideas and we had challenges every day and we had to kind of come up with ideas for no money most most of the time to like overcome the obstacles 
Um, and it was like new obstacles. There weren't, they were unique obstacles to this movie. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the basic, you know, all oh, the actor that this, or the light is going bad or we need, you know, whatever it was always, you know, it was just something like, you know, the, the actors aren't following the directions on the, you know, on their, uh, you know, on their notes and they're getting to, to certain locations too quickly, you know, like, you know, just stuff like that, that, that you never think of in a, in a real movie, you know? Cause you control the schedule so well in a, in a so carefully in a real movie. So, but it was a lot of fun, you know, it was, uh, you know, we, we knew we were doing something special, but we had no idea whether it was going to work or not. I, I have a decent understanding. I think from just all the stuff that I've read about like what the actors were doing, you know, to shoot mm -hmm. the movie. And like you said, having the instructions left for them, I think y'all communicated some through walkie talkie, literally camping in the woods. But like, what what were you guys actually doing throughout like the whole day to try to keep this production on track and make sure that you were capturing everything that that, yeah. that you had envisioned? So basically, I mean, you know, it was kind of a situation where like it was it was like a stage play that lasted like you know seven or eight days, and. Um, and once it started, there was no stopping it. You know what I mean? So the biggest thing for us was like, how do we, you know, train the actors to shoot everything and to, you know, to, to, to get sound and to, you know, oh, to train, yeah. we train Josh to operate the CP-16 and teach him how to load the magazine and how to load it into the camera and all the, you know, focus and all that stuff. So it was like the film school side of things of like just getting the actors prepared. But then once, you know, they were prepared and once they were going, it was all about like what's happening today and what's happening tomorrow and how do we prepare, you know, for tomorrow today. And also how do we keep them on track, you know, for the things that we're doing today to them. Um, so like at the beginning, Dan went like I was I was in charge of the directing notes. So I would basically break down like what they were doing the next day and, you know, do like sometimes three, sometimes four sets of notes for each of the, you know, one set, one set for each actor each time. And they couldn't show them, show it to each other. And, and Heather's at the beginning, cause she was leading the way she was leading the way with the GPS. Um, it was like coordinates, like, okay, get to this coordinate by this time. Um, and then later on it became Mike. I think Mike took over the navigation later. Um, just, you know, just character wise, like, you know, Heather was done at that point or whatever. Um, and then just, you know, managing all the art department, like making sure the house, you know, we had to clean up the house, get all the graffiti off the walls. We had to, um, uh, you know, get, get the house safe enough. There was huge holes. I mean, it was already kind of an unsafe house, you know, mm -hmm. so we had to build these stairs to go down to the cellar and we had to cover some stuff up. So the art director and then the production designer were constantly, you know, moving stuff and trying to get things done. And all we were doing was just trying to keep ahead of them, you know, like, you know, figure out where they were going to be, have a directing note ready for them. If they had to feed them, have the food ready if we had to, you know, get extra batteries, you know, we had we had times to like drop off batteries to get supplies, like to get the the used tapes. So all this logistical information had to be, you know, implanted in the notes and also, you know, the character notes, like, man, Heather's getting on your nerves, or you know, Mike <laughs> about to kill Mike, you know, or you know, I wish Josh would shut up, or you know, just stuff like that, or like, you know, with Heather was like, you know, they're they're trying to 
you know, you're you're in charge of this, you know, be, you know, make sure to be strong and don't let these guys, you know, take over your project. And with Mike and Josh, it was like, you know, with Mike, it was like this, Heather's lost. She had no idea where she's going. And, you know, try to try to push her to admit that. You know what I mean? And with Josh, it was, you know, could be a little more friendly, this, whatever, you know, just different character things for mm-hmm. each of the, the moments. And luckily, we, you know, we cast these great, you know, actors. Excellent. Um, Excellent. Couldn't be better. Yeah, couldn't be better. And they really like kind of brought it all home. You know, they kind of put it all together and, 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 and you know, and, and made the, the footage work. People like the fishermen and all the, you know, all the, impl- the plants that we had for them to interview, all those locations. We had this, you know, so basically we were just kind of, you know, showing them around. And then once they got in the woods, we followed them for a while. And then we realized that it was kind of hope, you know, it was kind of, it, it, we couldn't hear them. So it was kind of worthless to follow them, you know? So we just started watching more of the footage and, uh, you know, and and again, and also Dan, well, big thing that we were doing was trying to come up with the ending um, because Dan and I didn't know how the movie was going to end. Um, we were, you know, we knew it was going to end in the cellar but we didn't know, you know, what was happening, what was going to happen, you know? So, and we started shooting and, you know, every day the, the producer, Greg would come in and go, did you guys come up with an ending? And we're like, no, not, not quite. And he'd be like, well, you have three days, you know, to, fi- <laughs> to figure it out, you know? And then he would tell, and then he would tell us, all right, you've, you basically made it impossible for any art direction, like any, any real significant art directing, we're not going to be able to build anything. Like you'll re- you realize that, right? We're like, oh, yes, okay. Now you're putting more pressure on us. So that was a big thing too, is just trying to come up with how the hell we we're going to end this movie. You know, you know, what's funny about the end, like we always talk about it. Less is more. And mm-hmm. a lot of filmmakers don't do less is more, but, in your case, less. Are you one of those film fans that you think less is more in your horror? Like the Absol- less you see, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, you know, the 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 whole, you know, the the ending of Blair Witch was basically, you know, based on, you know, we had no money, we had no budget, and I, I you know, and that, and we had like again no time to come up with it, and we were just like, oh, let's just do this, and maybe we'll come back and do another ending if this doesn't work or whatever. But I'm, you know, but I think, unfortunately, I think that if we had a little more money, I think we would have, we would have ruined it. <laughs> Probably. We would have come up with some cockamamie doorway to hell or some shit <laughs> pops out of the ground or something. You know? we a hand comes out of the door. We had so many ideas of like what happens at the end. And we got lucky that Lion, that um, Artisan let us keep the ending too. That was very fortunate of us. Because usually the studio yeah, okay. let you go with the ending that you want. My question real quick is just that I noticed you said you were still trying to come up with it. Yeah. But so when you finally came up with it, had you already shot that scene with the townsfolk? So you had to go, but that's what I was wondering because I was like, did you have that in the back of your mind? Yeah. What happened was that we shot this ending, you know, we, we have no money and we have no more money left. You know, we're shooting, we're still shooting some of phase two stuff, which actually ended up in curse of the Blair witch. Um, because remember, the movie was supposed to be a documentary. Like Blair Witch was not supposed to end. Was not supposed to be what what ended up in the theaters. You know, like it was supposed to be like a straight up documentary. Where we're gonna cut. It was it was gonna be like a mixture of Curse of the Blair Witch. In case if you guys have seen that and Blair Witch Project, so it was gonna be half documentary, half footage. At the end, very end, before we decided to enter into Sundance, we decided to cut all the documentary stuff out and just play the footage, and that's what became the movie. So. During that time, we were trying to come up with it. Uh, you know, we, we had come up with the ending 
And we were just busy trying to edit the movie as a documentary. And then finally it became this thing where like, hey, we're going to cut all the stuff and just let the footage go and we're going to enter into Sundance. So the Sundance version, there's no explanation at all why Mike is standing in the corner. Like that was just something we made up. And then, you know, we never came up with any mythology for it until I started working on the website. And I started like, again, I didn't have a girlfriend, man. So I was basically (laughs) had nothing to do. Um, so I was basically, you know, working on the website during the day and then editing at night till like, you know, until I creeped myself out and ran to my car, like a, you know, like a scared person. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, so, so we can, you know, that, you know, I, I basically came up with this idea of like, okay, what's the explanation for what could possibly be the explanation of Mike standing in the corner that has anything to do with Rustin Parr or whatever. And I, you know, I came up with the idea of like, he's when he he killed the kids two by two, you know, one at a time, and he would make one of the kids face away because he didn't want, you know, he didn't want the kid, you know, I get what the guy says, you know, I just came up with it. And I put it up on the website and, you know, and I told, I, I showed Dan and Dan made some tweaks to it and, you know, and Greg liked it. So we we're like, all right, that's what it is. And then, so Sundance, we went and that was not in the movie. And then Artisan bought the movie and they were like, do you guys you know, we want you to reshoot the ending, you know, we'll give you like, a, like $60,000 or something like, you know, something like we're like, whoa, like we, and we had no money, man, you don't understand, like, because you sell the movie doesn't mean you get paid right away. Like we were still months away from being paid. Um, so we were like, yeah, we'll go and reshoot the ending. Hell yeah. So on our trip, we went to Maryland and we, you know, hired all a lot of the crew that had worked on, we actually paid them this time. And we brought, <laughs> um, you know, Mike, we brought Mike out to, you know, because we didn't need Heather, we didn't need Josh. So we brought Mike out and we did all the, I, I'm sure if you guys have seen the Blu-ray, they have the alternate endings. We shot all these cockamamie endings to the movie. And, but we also went to like this little historic town and fi- found, you know, bought, brought two, pe- two people that we knew. And we said, just tell, you know, again, we interviewed them. And then later on, we added Heather saying, you know, I some lines. What do you know about Russell or whatever? She, I think she says some lines there. Um, so we went back and we did a re-edit of the movie. We cut like a 30 seconds out of it or something. Like we wanted to tighten some stuff up and we put in that footage and artisan didn't even notice, man. I don't think they even noticed. They were, they were just, you know, focusing on the end. And, and luckily, you know, they, when we were doing, we're doing the sound mix and they came to us and they said, you know, with, you know, which ending do you guys want? You know, where I was like, we want the original ending. And they were like, well, we want this one, this other ending, but you know, we trust you guys and, you know, we're willing to give you guys the benefit of the doubt and we're going to go with your ending. You know, it's going to, and I remember one of the executives said, it's going to cost us millions at the box office. And I was like, <laughs> millions at the box office? What are you talking about? This movie costs $20,000, millions at the box office. Um, wow. So, you know, so that that's kind of the story of the end. So it was just like, again, man, Blair Witch was like this thing that like, started off as something else and we constantly had to keep on our stay on our toes and like keep you know uh, it just kept mutating and it kept like you know getting better and getting different but a lot of those steps were really painful because we were really attached to our you know a lot of our original ideas so uh you know it was it was kind of a tumultuous time even though we were being very creative you know well, I gotta say that's I love that hearing about that, and even though it took you several days during the film to get to that ending, that film that ending is perfect. perfect. In my opinion, it makes the movie. So that's that's really cool. 
Okay. That's all I had. Well, I, I know we're, we're starting to run long. I just want to ask you one more question. Um, just because I'm, I'm sure you're like, uh, guys, I'm ready to like get to bed, do something else besides <laughs> hang out with y'all. Not, uh, not yeah, but no, it's no, it's good, man. I'm enjoying it. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, then maybe I'll sneak another one uh, in or so, but I, I did want to ask about this. <laughs> yeah. Be careful. telling us that I, I did want to ask this cause I've, I've always been curious after the Blair Witch comes out, monumental success for many reasons. Obviously, I'm sure Artisan, everybody, well, we got to have a sequel. Mm-hmm. You know, I've all again been curious. How how did the situation play out with with Book of Shadows? Like, what were the conversations on it? What was your involvement? Like, what, did they kind of t- just like rip it away from you, or did they let you be real involved? Like, how? No, I mean it was, you know, you know the the, the thing about it is that you have to, that when when we finished Blair Witch, Dan and I did not want to make another horror movie, like we were both horror movied out, um, and you know being in you know being in the Blair Witch world, it's a pretty dark world. You're talking about you know sacrifices and child, you know, being children being killed and serial killers and you know this people disappearing and you know just a lot of dark stuff that we're constantly like coming up with dark stuff so we were like ready for to do something different and uh dan and i and and hacks and the company we tried we started moving forward on a comedy called heart of love that never happened but we kind of wanted to do a whole like a 180 you know what i mean we wanted to like do something where like you know we literally did you know one of those so-called scariest movies of all time and now we want to come back and do something completely freaking stupid you know like just something silly and it was like you know it's just like a like mop you know monty python meets you know uh saturday night live and airplane like a lot of potty humor and just crazy you know just craziness um so we were kind of in the mood just to do something completely different um and artisan was like hey we want to do a sequel do you know do you guys want to do a sequel and they offered us you know pretty good amount of money man we would you know we knew that we were that we that our heart was you know our hearts were not in it so we're like i'm not going to sell out immediately you know what i mean like unless my heart is in it i'm not going to make another movie you know what i mean like right now you know i don't need the money like we were making a lot of money from you know blair witch so it wasn't like we were like broke um and you know, and, and that was a good thing and also a bad thing because I think if we hadn't made as much money, we would have been forced to like actually, you know, develop some stuff and you know, make, do some things, you know, like really take, you know, take it more seriously than we had to. Honestly, like we, like I think a lot, part of at least my problem after Blair Witch was that I had been working so hard for pretty much my entire adult life and most, you know, and a lot of my teenage years to become a filmmaker, which meant like having a crappy car and living at home with my parents when I didn't want to and like putting every single you know amount every single penny I had to like making movies and you know just dedicating myself to that and honestly I wanted to kind of like enjoy my life a little bit you know what I'm saying and just buy a house and buy a kind of a decent car and you know stuff like that and goof off maybe go to on vacation like a real vacation you know um so uh you know i needed that break and i never took it we went right into heart of love and heart of love is a completely different story it's just some bad things happened and it just didn't work out um but 
we knew we didn't want to make a, pre a sequel. So we were like, you know, if you guys want to do the sequel, then, you know, just we'll, you know, have somebody write the script and then we'll, you know, we'll executive produce it. We'll shepherd it, you know, we'll help you guys. Mm -hmm. So they had some scripts written and, and we really weren't like, I mean, like I wasn't really, uh, it wasn't anything about like them ripping the movie away from us or anything because we were pretty, you know, they wanted us as involved as possible. And, um, you know, they actually, they probably would have wanted us more involved than we were. Um, but it just became, it just became obvious that they weren't making the movie that we would have made, you know what I'm saying? And we had no idea what they were doing. Like we were like, I don't know how this is going to end up working. Um, but we trust, you know, we trusted Joe Berlinger, Berlinger. I mean, you know, he was a really great, he's a great documentary filmmaker. And we were like, if anybody can make this work, Joe can. And uh, so, and then basically they stopped kind of, you know, coming to us for like opinions when we told them that we did not like the treatment, we did not like the script, we did not like what what they were doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And also they were rushing it too, man. Like that was the big thing. Like if, and, I, and we told them that, it's like, look, if you guys just took a year off and let us, give us another year, we would do another Blair Witch movie like in two years, you know, mm -hmm. but... Just let this, but they were, you know, they were, you know, the company had different plans. You know, they wanted to, to have another big hit immediately. And so, uh, you know, so they did Book of Shadows and we did not really love the movie very much. Like I remember, you know, and, and this is part of like something that I'm kind of ashamed of. And it was just kind of like, we were just really arrogant and we thought, and we were, we really were on top of the world and we thought we would never be toppled. You know, we thought we would have, like a list director careers for the rest of our lives. And we were like dead wrong about it, you know, mm -hmm. but there was a certain arrogance to us, you know? Um, and I remember when we, uh, you know, the, the artisan came, a couple of executives, Martisan came and screened the movie in, um, at, we were at Disney MG, at, it was still Disney MGM studios, you know, and we were, had offices there. So we rented a, they rented a, a theater and we went to see it. And, uh, us being like just you know the the guys we were at that time and also probably like a little bitter that they had made this movie without you know kind of they made this movie that you know we didn't really want to make or whatever we started like mystery science theatering it you know like <laughs> ten minutes in. that's what we do on the show so yeah like man and, you know so like you know i mean look if 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 joe was in the room we obviously would, we wouldn't have done that but it was a couple of marketing people and we were like you know, again, it was something that we should have done. And honestly, I don't, I like Book of Shadows. Like, I think it's a pretty good movie. It just has really very little to do with, like, my idea of what a Blair Witch movie should have been. Like, it would have been great to, if it would have been, like, an offshoot, you know, like the Blair Witch Chronicles, Book of Shadows or something. But as as far as, like, Blair Witch 2, that was just a really weird way to do a second movie. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. It was, it was like starting Jaws two and saying, "Man, that Jaws one that they re that really made a lot of money, didn't it?" Like, <laughs> where do you go from there? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's what that's what Book of Shadows is doing. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so, you know, it didn't exist in the same world as our movie. So, uh, you know, and you know, and 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 what happened to Joe was, you know, they took the movie away from him and they shot a bunch of stuff without his permission and. And, you know, and the movie came out and, it, you know, didn't do great, you know, and so it was kind of like a bummer for everybody, man, for everybody involved. You know, it was just a bad call um, for everybody. So, you know, unfortunately that those things happen and, um, you know, we kind of learned our lessons and, uh, you know, 
uh, you know, just chalked it up to, you know, some experience and, and moved on, you know. No, I was always curious about that. I really appreciate it. See, this is the type of stuff you can't, no matter how much you research, you just don't find a lot of this stuff. So I appreciate you sure. saying that. I went on opening night, actually, to see Book of Shadows. Oh, yeah. And I went on opening night to see the original Blair Witch. And, oh, cool. And so I, I left the theater pretty, disapp- <laughs> pretty disappointed with Book of Shadows. And I could just tell that this is just not, this is not the same, the same people uh, yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a big thing because, like, you know, Artisan did like, um, uh, you know, like a survey, you know, like a because they all do. It's all marketing, like, you know, asking people what they're gonna like, what they like, and this and that, all their tastes, and and you know, the our involvement was really important to people, you know, in the survey. So they did as much as they could to like keep us involved, but unfortunately, you know, they made, you know, and they made a movie that. We, you know, we didn't really like at the time, you know, like mm-hmm. looking back on it, we're like, yeah, maybe we could have been a little more professional and, you know, played in the, the game a little bit more. But still, it was just like, you know, unfortunately, we weren't. And, I, and you know, it wasn't like it was all our fault either. I mean, they, you know, they had pushed this movie. They they kind of knew that they were kind of pushing, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they I mean, you know, because people know like how you know, you make good movies. All those, all those people know how, you know, usually how you make good movies and, you know, rushing something and pushing it into production before it's ready. And, you know, you know, trying to finish it and and rushing it to market, you know, most of the time you're going to end up with a little bit of an inferior, you know, uh, product because of the time constraints. So they knew what they were doing. And unfortunately they, you know, they rolled the dice and, you know, they lost for, for, you know, all of us. I think Hollywood sometimes does that, you know, and, and to your credit, Steven Spielberg wasn't involved with Jaws 2, you know, he was like, you know, I'm going to walk away at Jaws 1, you know, and then 3, and 3, 3D and 4, you know, and he didn't have any involvement in that, Not, you know, yeah. I think the, I think the original, I think you're, you know, it was so perfect, like, I, I've never seen a better found footage film, you know, in my opinion, and I always say that, I've said that on the show a ton. So, you know, good job. Thank you, sir. Yeah, and I just want to know, and you may not have tons of input on this. I'm not sure. I just didn't know if you had any thoughts or did you have any interaction or or did you screen the the newest Blair Witch film that came yeah, out, yeah. I believe, in maybe 2016? Yeah, yeah, 2016. No, I mean, we, we were involved. We were, you know, and we were, uh, I mean, you know, they, they involved us early on. They, were, they told us that, uh, you know, um, Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard were going to do it. And we we knew those guys from VHS too. We were friends of theirs. And we were like, look, you know, you couldn't have picked better a better team, you know, to do another Blair Witch movie. Because we knew that Simon and, and Adam like really respected the original and like were, were true fans of it. And, you know, they understood it. And really, like, I think that, you know, for, at least for me, you know, um, I kind of put put myself in their place. And I was uh, and I was like, you know, if I, if I got hired to to do like a remake or like a sequel to a movie, you know, and I knew the filmmaker, um, you know, I don't know if I, if I would want the filmmaker that close, you know, because it's like, to me, it's like, you know, I want to make it my own. I want to be free enough to do something. And I don't want to have to, you know, have to be like respectful to somebody else that, you know, who, who obviously, you know, like the original filmmakers, you always have to respect the people who, you know, the original people who made, you know, the, the, the first, you know, um, you know, John Carpenter, like the first kind of movies of like of successful, you know, um, 
Wes Craven. Like, you know, you have to respect that. But at the same time, if I was doing a Halloween, uh, you know, sequel, I don't know how much of John Carpenter input I would want. You know I mean, I want to kind of take the inspiration and make it my own. So we kind of let them, you know, I, 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 we mostly just stayed away. And not that they really asked us for much. Like, they asked us for notes on the script and I told them that I thought that it was a mistake to do to do found footage. Like I thought that I, I was like, you know, I think you could do like a more conventional kind of version of this. And I think it would, you know, play a little better. But they were, you know, they were kind of they and I haven't talked to Adam to too much or at or Simon about this, like the origins. But I think Lionsgate had like a kind of an idea already. And I think they they knew they wanted to do do found footage. Um, so. You know, I think Simon and, and Adam did a great job. I think it's like a super stressful movie. I think it, it it even though it's a bit of a remake, I feel that it's like the 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 first real sequel to our to our movie. You know what I mean? Because at least it's mm -hmm. in the same world mm -hmm. as Blair Witch. You know, um, but I think that you know, like if I would have you know had any kind of say in it, I would have said, look, I love let's I love the setup. Let's speed it up a little bit and then let's give a third act that is beyond the house. You know, like let's right. end up at the beginning of the third act in the house and then let's take it somewhere else. Let's, you know, move the story because, you know, it was kind of like end up in the house. The house is kind of a fun house and it was, you know, horrific. And there's some stuff in there that I never want to see again. Um, but uh, and it was very effective. But again, it didn't like. It didn't. It didn't progress the story any, you know. And I think that for the original fans right. of the movie, I think Good that point. was the biggest disappointment was that it was kind of like, you know, telling us the same story in a cool, in a cooler way, you know, cool, cooler technology, and you know, um, you it's know, kind of like your movie. On they had they had a real budget, you know. So, um, uh, but you know, so I, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, as far as you can enjoy a nightmare of a movie like that you know mm -hmm. it is a nightmare i agree it is it's a nightmare man and it's it's, it's like, hard to watch that last sequence is yeah. hard to watch yeah, yeah yeah it's hard to watch for sure and then you know that's Very good cool. I mean, that's it that's yeah that, they that, set out that's what they set out to do yeah, that's what some horror movies should do it should be doing more of you know so ed will end on this and that way we don't overstay our welcome and maybe we can convince you to come back to real talk one day but of course, uh man, absolutely you know, during the intro of the episode, I just wanted to remind people about how great 1999 was. And it, it's just truly amazing to me that, you know, with such films like Matrix and American Beauty, Office Space, Insider, or Mr. Talented, Mr. Ripley, you know, your film stood out and, and was the, the Hollywood game changer that year. And it's been 22 years now since the film was released. Just to close us out, summarize just like what this ride has been like for you and what you feel the the lasting legacy of of Blair Witch Project is? First of all, thanks for having me on, man. It was a lot of fun, and I'd come back anytime. Let me know. Um, you know, I mean, I think that uh, I mean, I'm so grateful, and like I've said a few times, blessed and like so lucky that I was a part of this thing. You know, and I know that like I added my little bits of the jigsaw puzzle to this. You know puzzle but there was a lot of other people that added their parts also and that wouldn't have worked without you know the whole thing coming together um and it was like it was like catching lightning in a bottle you know what i mean like everything that every like thing that could go right you know went right um the planets aligned and it was the right time of like the internet was the right 
you know, size. It was just enough. It was just big enough to like spread the disinformation, but not big enough to like invalidate it. Um, <laughs> and uh, we took advantage of it. You know, it was just, and, and, and it was just luck that we had, we took advantage of it. Like I, you know, I knew how to build some websites from a previous job and I started doing the website, but it was kind of like, people are always like, oh, the marketing, or whatever. It's like the marketing was just whatever the hell we could do, you know? But the fact that, you know, we were able to do it and we were able to form a partnership and, um, you know, it was five guys mostly that came together and made this movie, you know, like from nothing. And, um, and you know, and it was just like, it was an unbelievable thing. I never thought I would be a part of a movie like that. You know, like I never had such high expectations of like my career. You know, I always thought I was like, yeah, I'd be lucky to make movies or TV or whatever. I never thought that, you know, you guys, people like you would be talking about this movie 22 years later or any of my movies 22 years later. You know what I mean? So um, I'm just really grateful that it's, you know, it, it gave me a career. It gave me this house. It gave me the ability to buy all the Star Wars crap behind me, <laughs> um, you know, and it's given me a lot of chances to collaborate with great people and and have a lot of fun and you know and uh, i'm still doing it like i'm still you know directing and i'm i feel very lucky to do that and, and as far as like the legacy of the blair witch i think that when it comes down to it it's the the most important legacy is like the same legacy that clerks left us and el mariachi left us and you know the idea that like anybody can come out of nowhere and with a good idea and a little bit of money and some perseverance you can do something that like blows up and kind of you know becomes part of like you know um you know part of the of the history of the of, of film you know what i mean and blair witch you know is like you know people you know it's one of these movies that people still talk about and it's you know it was like this again it was like this completely it was an anomaly you know, it was it was a complete like came out of nowhere. And um, and I again, I feel really happy that I was part of it. But I but the, but I think to, for me, it's like the idea that like, you know, motivating people. And that's what I'm really more most proud of on Blair Witch is the idea that like when people come to me and say, oh, man, I watched Blair Witch and it's what inspired me to make a movie or inspired me to write a script or inspired me to do this, whatever. Um, or even just early on, like I meet a lot of people on set. And I'm like, oh, and they were like, oh, Blair, which was the reason, you know, I got I became a uh, got into film or, you know, got interested in filmmaking or, you know, started reading or about film or whatever. So, you know, like like movies like Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark for me, like inspired me and, you know, kind of, you know, you know, kind of started this little flame in me to become a filmmaker you know, to me, like somebody else telling me that my film did that to them, like to me, that's like the best thing that could ever have happened to me as a, you know, as an artist, as a filmmaker, you know, whether as a director, whatever you want to call me, um, you know, and the idea that like, you know, when I'm gone, this movie is probably still going to be, you know, people are still going to be watching it and, you know, talking about it and hating it and loving it and discussing it. I think it's just, you know, it's just a, you know, I don't know what it was, man. I think we, again, we got really lucky and, and, uh, and again, it's just like, I feel so privileged that I was, uh, you know, a part of it. So that's kind of where I want to leave it. You know, I mean, honestly, it did for found footage, what star Wars did for sci-fi, you know, and I'm, and sure. I'm, it's, it's, it's really cool that people come up and thank you and, and, and appreciate the fact that that paved the way for that. So thank you for that. There's been sure. a lot of really cool found footage movies 
out, you know, since then because of it. Yeah. 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 And, also, yeah. and also the idea that like, you know, you, you can do something different, you know what I mean? Like you can, you know, you don't have to follow the, the rules, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think that's really inspiring as well. And you don't have to have millions upon millions to, to make your film either. That's another cool thing about it too. Exactly, man. Uh, the right idea, you know, can transcend all that, you know? All right. Well, audience, uh, as always a big thing you can help us do to grow our show, subscribe, or follow on your favorite podcast platform. Anytime we release a new episode, it's there for you. Where you're headed to work, you're at the gym, or you know, if you just want to hit the play button and just leave it on the couch and walk off, that's cool too. Please leave us a rating or review on that platform as well. You can follow us on sh- social media. We're at Twitter at real underscore cast. That's R-E-E-L. We're on Facebook, which is really our favorite social media platform. Come over, come join us on our Facebook group, Real Talk A Movie podcast page. We have Instagram as well, ran by friend of the show, Ren Burnett. You can find that at official Real Talk podcast. We recently created a Patreon account. If you go to Patreon and search Real Talk A Movie podcast, you'll find us there. And for us, that's a wrap.